Hello, all, and welcome to episode 24 of Geeks and Games. I've honestly forgotten at this point. It's been such a long week. Yes, it's um, 24. So, I'm Tiger, as always, and I'm joined by Yoshimitsu. Hello. Uh, so, about the whole long week thing, first off, it was my birthday a bit ago, and I did get some video games, of course. I'll, I'll bring those up later, but I also wanted to talk about the Lost episode. So, last week we had recorded an episode talking about Japan-exclusive games, and the year in gaming was 2003. But then I saved that to a jiggly USB drive, which is recording this right now. It is our savior at this point. But uh, when I moved the computer, the USB handle jiggled to the point where it wouldn't work. I posted a little announcement um, right after the most recent episode came out that said no, that there was going to be no podcast this week. So if you were not on the server please email us at geeksandgamespodcast at gmail.com. I'll put the link in the description if you want to do that. But I don't really want to post it to YouTube, so that's kind of my best option right now. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of working with what I got. And after the Retro Game Trader Tour, I did buy a couple of games. Um, So I got... Uh, Mario Bros. Deluxe for the Game Boy Color. That one was 25 bucks, And I got two games that were uh, 4 bucks each. I got Columns for the Sega Genesis. It's a puzzle game I've heard is good. And the sequel to Scribblenauts for the DS. I got the original when I first got my DS earlier this... I mean, my 2DS earlier this year. So I thought since it was only 4 bucks, I'd buy the sequel as well. And I'd say it was definitely a worthy investment. Thank you so much to Retro Game Trader for letting me film around their shop. Definitely um, check them out. There were a couple of other games. I also got the ability to play Mario 64 DS for the first time. And initially on my list of like, I'm going to, I'm trying to rank every single Mario game ever, trying to play as many as I can. But for those I can't play, I'm kind of trying to find videos online. From what I'd seen of Mario 64 DS, I thought it was such a cool game, and I thought, oh, well, it has more stuff. Obviously, it's going above it. But it, um, first off, if you're going to play it, please play it on a 3DS. The circle um, pad makes it much uh, easier to play. And secondly, it if you're used to the original, the second one's going to be kind of jarring because usually, I'm used to running by moving just the control stick, and then you run just fine, but in... But if you use the just the control stick or D-pad, if you're using the original DS version to move in the DS version, then you're going to move very slowly and you need to hold the Y button to run. So it's a little dumb, in my opinion, that they couldn't just make it normal. I mean, make it work, you know, like the, the way the original did. But I, mean, I mean, I guess it's fine. But, um... I also got Mario Kart 7, Mario 3D Land, and Mario Galaxy 2. So thank you so much to the people that got me those gifts. I'm, I'm very grateful. But anyway, sorry for such a long introduction. Moving on to the news. So first off, I wanted to give an honorable mention to something since Yoshimitsu and I are both on Lego Ideas. I wanted to talk about this little supported project. It's um, the detective agency from this TV show called Psych by the user Brickmaster5000. 
please support it. It's only at like 24 supporters right now. And if you're a really big fan of Psych, which I kind of am, I highly recommend checking it out. But, you know, please support this guy. It's by the user Brickmaster5000. And I was informed that Dragon Ball and Chrono Trigger were made by the same guy. I also forgot to mention that um, Dragon Quest was made by the same guy. And he also made I, I'd like. I'd like to point out that Chrono Trigger was not made by Akira Toriyama. He just did the character designs. So yeah, the the designs are all the same. Uh, it's uh, I noticed the similarities, but I wasn't sure if it was the same guy. You know, I mean, all manga looks kind of similar to me, but you know, the, his style is I think very distinctive because normally in manga and anime, eyes are very big, but his are more yeah. squinty and narrowed. Yeah, so it's like a nice little distinction. He also made this series of games for the Super Famicom. I can't remember what they're called, but also I mentioned I thought I mentioned that Metal Gear Solid: The Twin Snakes was a remake of Metal Gear Solid Two for the GameCube, but it's actually a remake of the original Metal Gear Solid. So apologies to that. But there are also some new me costumes coming to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and these cancel a some um long wanted fan things because usually if the fighter gets a me costume then they won't get a fighter i have seen that if the character already has a spirit then they'll still get a fighter this happened with pyra and mithra and um min min from arms but so the me fighters are lloyd irving a character from the game dragonborn i'm not sure which character it is dante from the devil may cry series and shante from the game shante so dante and shante that that rhymes actually but Dante, yep. Shantae, not sure about Dragonborn, and Lloyd Irving were all requested characters for Fighters and Smash. Dante probably the most so. But, you know, it's it's fun to have them as characters in there. And you know, if you're a fan of those series, I hope you really enjoy that representation. And uh, check them out. I think the Mii costumes are only 75 cents each if you don't want to buy the Fighters Pass. So, anyway... Moving on to our topic before we talk about the console, I thought we'd talk about Japan-only games. We had talked about this um, last time, you know, before everything died. <sighs> but Yeah. All right. So anyway, here are the um, Japan-only games. So first we have Parodius for the Microsoft... Um, I don't know if it was Microsoft, but there are these line of computers called the MSX. The Metal Gear series got their start on these, actually. But Parodius is sort of like a crossover between various Konami franchises. Looks interesting. Um, there are some levels based off Gradius, Goemon, games like that. Not just on the MSX, but there are also some... I think there's one on the Famicom and a bunch on the Super Famicom. But speaking of the Famicom, there were a couple of uh, Japan-only games for those. There was uh, Devil World... It was rejected due to, you know, Christian imagery. The devil, even as a villain, wasn't okay for America. And you collect crosses and Bibles to ward him off. So that was a little bit much. So this is kind of similar to how um, priests in some Final Fantasy games, which were definitely had a lot of very Christian-heavy aesthetic when you visit, like, temples and churches, were changed to just regular temples and the priests do, I think, clerics. But the cleric, I think, looks very, like, bishop-like. He's a position in the game Metopia, and I had Doshin the Giant as my cleric in Metopia. I haven't played the full game yet, only the um, the demo version, but I, I might get to that eventually. Also, Takeshi's Challenge. But, you know, the less said about that game, the better. 
<laughs> well, yeah. In a similar situation, it's another um, uh, poop game, as the Japanese would say. It's a word called kusoge. That's a that's an actual kusoge. Term. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's also Hong Kong '97, which you fight as Bruce Lee's relative trying to defend Hong Kong from communists. Again, the less said about this one, the better. But the game over screen is an actual dead body. It's a. It was taken from a video recording. I think it's very. Gr- it's not too gruesome, you know, due to it being all pixely. But it's very weird. And that's fight, that's dark. And you fight the severed head of. I think it was like the current president of China at the time. But yeah, you know. Moving on. Um. Questionable. The, yeah. The Fire Emblem series, quite a few of these games are Japan exclusive. So there was Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light on the Famicom in 1990, which came out on the DS in America eventually. Fire Emblem Gaiden, which was for the Famicom in 1993. Fire Emblem Mystery of the Emblem for the Super Famicom in 1994. Genealogy of the Holy War for the Super Famicom in 96. And Thracia 776 for like the Super Famicom flash drive thingy in 1999. And then Fire Emblem, The Binding Blade for the Game Boy Advance in 2002, and New Mystery of the Emblem for the DS in 2010. So the first one to be localized to America, like the same time, around the same time the Japan one was, was Fire Emblem and The Blazing Blade, which came out right after Binding Blade did. I think Binding Blade was the first non-Smash Bros. appearance of Roy Callahan, but... You know, yeah, Smash Bros. is actually Royce from Fire Emblem's technical first game appearance ever since it was before The Binding Blade. There are some other notable American games are Fire Emblem Awakening for the 3DS, Fire Emblem Three Houses for the Switch. And uh, what else? You know, not too many, but I I think Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light was available on the um, Switch Online for a portion, but if you... I think um, the Switch is not region locked, so I think if you switch it to your region to Japan, you can play the uh, Genealogy of the Holy War through the Super Famicom Switch Online service. Unfortunately, the Super Famicom Switch Online got better games in the most recent update than the Super Nintendo one did, and that video announcement for that had a lot of dislikes. <laughs> Side note, if f- random fun fact, the most disliked YouTube video ever was YouTube Rewind 2018. No matter who they feature, people always get mad at YouTube Rewind because YouTube has a very diverse content creator platform, and usually there's at least one person you saw in there that you wanted but wasn't included. I did check that out, and it wasn't terrible. The only person that I'd watched that was in there was The Odd Ones Out. Good. Um good youtuber by the way his his stuff on subway i mean subway technically is is very funny if you haven't seen him you should um then there was also famicom wars which sort of started the it's a precursor to advance wars advance wars is actually getting a switch port of the first two games um but famicom Wars started the nintendo wars franchise there was also game boy wars and i think super famicom wars but it's like um it's a military tactics type game Try to fight each other with tanks, I believe. I haven't played it. Looks interesting. Then there was also Joy Mech Fight, which is a game in which you play as um, mechs with no arms and legs but have feet and hands. It's kind. Of, it's reminiscent of Rayman, and the the characters run very smoothly despite um, you know, being a a Famicom game. 
So essentially, Kirby swallowed a robot. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you want to get technical, and Sukapon from Joy Mech Fight is in the um, Smash Bros. as an assist trophy, also a spirit. But moving on to the PlayStation, not too many Super Famicom games that really caught my eye. There is one honorable mention. The final game release for the Super Famicom was Metal Slater Glory Director's Cut, which came out in 2001. That was about the time that GameCube released. I can't believe that there was a game released that late in the li life of the console. But Metal Slater Glory Director's Cut is a director's cut of a visual novel that had come out on the Super Famicom earlier. So, you know, I mean, that's fair. But moving on to a very weird game, we have LSD Dream Emulator for the PlayStation 1. So this was meant as more of like a contemporary art piece than an actual game. It's very weird, very creepy. It's, I think it's, you know, as the name implies, it's supposed to simulate what being on LSD could be. It was taken from like the dream journal of an employee who worked at the company that made it. It hasn't gotten an Americanized version for very obvious reasons, since, you know, LSD is a hallucinogenic drug. And um, the only recognition it's gotten lately was, I think it's on, like, the, the PlayStation Now subscription service. Only in Japan, though. Another interesting PlayStation game was developed by the guy who developed Metal Gear Solid. It's called Police Knots. You know, it's astronauts who are policemen in space. Nothing too much to say about that one. Uh, moving on to the Nintendo 64, we have Custom Robo, which is a robot fighting game. Yoshimitsu, I know you're a big fan of robots and mechs and all that kind of thing, so I think the designs of these characters yeah. are very cool. So the original came out on it. the 64 in 1998, and then a sequel came out for the 64 in 2000, and a Custom Robo GX, which came out on the Game Boy Advance in 2002. There was also a Game Boy and DS version, which did come to America, and those were... Those were both pretty good looking. I haven't played them. These were called Battle Revolution and Arena. I think Battle Revolution might be a different game. Not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure that Battle Revolution is just the Japanese name of what was known as Custom Robo here in America. I also wanted to touch on Dobutsu no Mori, which you know is Animal Forest or its GameCube port Animal Crossing. So Dobutsu no Mori came out on the Nintendo 64 with a built-in clock in the cartridge. It was very advanced for the time. Then it was, um, it's technically translates to Animal Forest, but then Animal Crossing got a, like an expanded version of that original game for the GameCube. And then it spawned a very successful series with releases on the DS, Wii, 3DS, and Switch. So far, the Switch one has this very dumb thing where you can only have one island per console. Not per account, per console. And I think it's a little dumb. You know, especially since my sister got to it on our Switch before I did. And uh, the 64DD was a whole um, Japan-exclusive peripheral for the Nintendo 64. It had some, you know, Mario Paint games, Doshin the Giant, which we covered in our episode... Listen to that one if you're interested. Um, there And moving on to the GameCube, we have DreamX TV World Fighters, which combines licenses from Hudson Soft, Konami, and the Takara Toy Company. So you can play as Bomberman and fight Optimus Prime. So Optimus Prime is now confirmed for Smash Bros. Ultimate 2. 
<laughs> that was speaking of the the switch too we were hoping to get some announcements regarding the switch pro but i haven't really seen any totes on profesh yeah we have not gotten any information regarding like the supposed hd switch rumored Hopefully information will come out in the coming months. Some people were hopeful of it coming out for the Nintendo Direct, but Nintendo heavily emphasized that it was software exclusive. So, you know. But, you know, uh, the Hudson... So, so the, I'm, I'm incredibly sorry about that, but we will talk about Japan-only games this time. It may be more condensed than was originally intended, but I do want to try to cover them here. And... There was um, a bonus video episode, which I'm going to post in the Discord. If you aren't part of the Discord, A, please join. I highly recommend it. And secondly, notable characters in Dreamix TV World Fighters are, I'd say, Bomberman, Optimus Prime, Solid Snake, and Simon Belmont. Snake and Simon Belmont come from Konami, obviously. Optimus Prime from Takara, and Bomberman from Hudson Saw. There are some more characters. I think there's a Decepticon from Transformers in there, but but my uncle is also a really big fan of Transformers. And I haven't seen any of the Michael Bay films, which is probably very good, but I did see that Bumblebee film, which I think is sort of like remaking the franchise, hopefully for the better. We'll have to see. As It, uh, it, was, it was very good. I was very happy with the character designs as well. Yep. A fun fact, the actor who plays the um, main girl's little brother was in the Diary of a Wimpy Kid long-haul film. <laughs> I know that's a very random connection to make, but, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Wimpy Kid books, even now, but the the movie, the long-haul movie was not good. In fact, I don't really like most of the movies, but I'd say the uh, Roddick Rules and the Dog Days are the best. I did not like the first or the fourth, but the other two were, I guess, okay. Looks much better. Moving on! Time to talk about video games again. The Nintendo Puzzle Collection, which collects um, Panel de Pon, Yoshi's Cookie, I think, and Dr. Mario. So it collects three Nintendo puzzle games into one Japanese-only game. Very interesting. Um, Moving on to another... Sorry about that abruptness, but moving on to the Game Boy Advance, we have a game that Yoshimitsu knows a lot about, Mother 3. Never got a localization. First Mother did, eventually, on the Wii U Virtual Console. Second one did, but you know it as Earthbound. I really hope this, and I posted like a mock-up of what I think the cover would look like in the Art and Such channel on our Discord server, but... I think it would be cool if they just called it the Earthbound Trilogy or something. And if they renamed Mother 3, they would probably call it, um, um, I want to say, like, Earthbound Infinite or Earthbound um, Endings to go along with Earthbound Beginnings. Beginnings and that beginnings, regular Earthbound, then endings, I feel like would work out very well. Um, it's one of those, Mother 3 is one of those few games, is one of those games that really tugs at your heartstrings. You know, it it's, does. It's very tragic, but because I, I, I think the reason I don't like RPGs battle system is because I'm so bad at them. You know, never. You don't like the turn-based system either. Yeah, but, I mean, I, the RPG format of, like, going around and reading text and trying to figure out things, I think, is pretty interesting. 
I might try Kingdom Hearts since it's an action RPG, you know, works a little bit differently. And, you know, I've been listening to that Disney podcast, which you mentioned in our last episode, and given me real affinity for Disney, and the Kingdom Hearts games might um, only go even more so. Um, so, moving on to the DS, we have Jump Ultimate Stars, which collects a bunch of characters from the Shonen Jump uh, anime franchise, including uh, Naruto and Dragon Ball Z are probably the biggest ones featured. Uh, not really a big anime person, as we discussed all the way back on our very first episode. Gosh, that seems like a fever dream at this point. It's so long ago. <sighs> very fond memories recording that very first episode. Also have fond memories recording the third episode, but it was one where we had Flame Vamp on, but that didn't go well, and the audio was also corrupted for that one. Moving on to the Wii, there are two very interesting games. There's Captain Rainbow. You play as this kid, and you're on an island, but there's a bunch of Nintendo characters. Takamaru from the mysterious Murasame Castle. This was another Japanese-only game I forgot to mention for the Famicom Discism, but it's like um, a Japanese version of The Legend of Zelda, I guess is the best way to put it. And you, you can also meet Birdo from Mario, one character from The Legend of Zelda whose name I don't know, and a couple of others also don't remember, but it's interesting. I think there's a translated version online if you're interested. And the next one is Nintendo made like a special deal with Google to make a game for the Wii that used the Wii's internet. It's called Ankensaku. It's just a search engine, really nothing else. But the main character for that game, Andy from And Kensaku, is a spirit in Smash Ultimate. You know, basically every Nintendo character is a spirit in Smash. If you own a Japanese GameCube, I'd probably recommend checking it out. My uncle is a huge fan of Transformers. He basically taught me everything I know about video games. My dad was also very informative on the subject. Uh, next up for the GameCube, we have Fantasy Star Online 2, which is, you know, just Fantasy Star Online. It was one of those few games for the GameCube that required the um, that modem ad adapter, but yeah, I think it's an MMO for computers. And lastly, we have the Aleste Collection, which collects the um, Aleste games for the Sega Master System in Genesis, I think. Wanted to bring this up. Yeah, exactly. I know Yoshimitsu is a fan of those soundtracks. I sent him a photo of it. And it's a very interesting collection. And speaking of which, also for my birthday, I got a Retron 5, which is how I'm able to play Game Boy Color and Sega Genesis games. And I'm very grateful for that. I highly recommend it if you happen to have 160 bucks lying around. It can play... The, the full list is... NES, Famicom, Super Nintendo, Super Famicom, Sega Genesis, Sega Mega Drive, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance. And if you buy the special Retron 3-in-1 adapter, you can play Sega Game Gear, Sega Master System, and Sega Cards. Master System cards were a very interesting form of uh, playing the games. But I, that is all we have for the Japan-only games. But now it is time to move on to our years in gaming, and we are going to do both 2003 and 2004. So take it away, Yoshimitsu. Okay. Starting with 2003, uh, in February 7th, Mario Party E uh, was released. It was a card game. Uh, March 4th, Rayman 3 was released for the GameCube and for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, March 13th, Final Fantasy X2 was released, but not in the U.S. until November 18th. Uh, Mario 21st, the Game Boy Player, was released. Did you say uh, Mario 21st? 
You just said Mario 21st instead of March 21st. Words are hard, okay? <laughs> Mar. I almost did it again. March 21st, the Game Boy Player was released starring <laughs> Wario Mega Micro Games. Or WarioWare Mega Micro Games, uh, but not in the US until May 26th. April, Squaresoft and Eden merged into Square Enix. Uh, yeah. June 1st, Sonic Spinball, not Spinball, Pinball Party uh, was released for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, June 20th, Wario World was released, but not in the US until June 23rd. July 1st, 11th, uh, Hmm. Mario Advance 4 was released, as was Kirby Air Ride, but that wasn't released in the U.S. until October 13th. Uh, July 29th, Mario Golf Gar- Toadstool Tour was released on the GameCube as a title game. Uh, July 25th, F-Zero GX was released for the GameCube, but not in the U.S. until August 25th. October 1st, Battle for Bikini Bottom was released. That, that's October 29th. It got, it got remastered yes. recently. October 29th, Call of Duty was released. October, uh, just at some point during October, the PS, the PlayStation 2 iToy was released. Sounds like fun. You get to poke someone in the eye. November 7th, Mario Kart Double Dash, or uh, as you like to say, Mario Kart Double Dash. Yeah, I. November 10th, that. Mario Party. <laughs> I know. <laughs> November 10th, Mario Party 5 was released as was Prince of Persia Sands of Time, but uh, it was also released on the Game Boy Advance three weeks earlier. Uh, November 11th, Beyond Good and Evil, Ratchet and Clank Going Super Commando were both released. Uh, November 17th, the IQ player uh, was released only in China. And uh, Mario and Luigi Superstar so- uh, Saga was released for the Game Boy Advance. December 4th, Sonic Battles was released for the Game Boy Advance, but not in the U.S. until January 5th of the following year. <sighs> Sorry, this is boring. <laughs> uh, December 30th, Sonic Heroes was released, and uh, at some point in 2003, uh, Rayman 3 was released, Hoodlum Havoc. Right. Before now, you move on... 2000 and f- Actually, before you move on to 2004, I would like to make some corrections because I never specify... So Game Boy Player did not star Wario Inc. Mega Microgames. The Game Boy Player was a um, device for the GameCube. You attach to the bottom and you can play Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games on your GameCube on the big screen. Wario Wario Mega Microgames was just a Game Boy Advance game. I don't think they were related. No, and I meant Squaresoft and Enix merge into Square Enix, not Enid. It was dumb autocorrect, I tell you. <laughs> April 25th again sorry yeah on April 25th Fire Emblem the Blazing Blade released but not in the U.S. until November 3rd where it was known as Fire Emblem I'm not sure if I got the dates mixed up but I wrote that the PlayStation 2 iToy also came out on um July 4th what a coincidence we just celebrated the 4th of July yesterday as of this recording so I'm looking this up. Yeah, we talked about release... this last week, and I just forgot to make edits to my notes. Yeah, but the, the corrupted episode. But um, yes. so I looked this up, and the iToy actually, it, yeah, so it released in on July 4th, 2003 in Europe. 
But it says also on Google that it initially released on February 4th, but it doesn't say that on Wikipedia. So I don't know what to believe. Oh, no, I know what I did wrong. That was a game, iToy Play. The original iToy accessory itself just released in October 2003. So it works like the Kinect for the Xbox 360 where it can read your movements. The games for that look interesting. Scott the Boss made a video on it. If you're interested, like I said before, 13 plus. Yeah, but other than that, nothing much except Friends of Purge of Sands of Time spawned the movie with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, which we talked about on our video game movies episode. Move on. So move along to 2004 now. Okay. Uh, 2004 started off in January 29th. Pokemon Fire Red Leaf Green was released on the Game Boy Advance, but not in the US until September 9th. February 9th, Metroid Zero Mission was released. Zero Emission nowadays. Uh, March 18th, Four Swords Adventures was released, uh, but not in the US until June 7th. And also, Katamari Damacy was released, or Damacy, whatever. Uh, April 15th, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror was released on the Game Boy Advanced, uh, but not in the US until October 18th. Uh, April 22nd, Mario Golf Advanced Tour was released, but not in the US uh, until June 22nd, and that was on the Game Boy Advanced. Uh, April 29th, Pikmin 2 was released, but not in the US until August 30th. Uh, May 24th, Mario vs. Donkey Kong was released. Uh, June 7th, Sonic Advance 3 was released. July 22nd, Paper Mario TDYD was released. That stands for the Thousand Year Door. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, for the GameCube, but not in the US until October 11th. August 26th, Mario Pinball Land was released, but not in the US until October 4th. Uh, sorry. Pokemon Emerald was released, but not in the US until May 1st of the following year. And that was on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, October 14th, Mario, uh, not Mario, WarioWare Twisted was released, but not uh, on the Game Boy Advance, but not in the US until May 23rd of 2005. Uh, October 28th, Mario Tennis Ta Power Tour bleh, was released, but not in the US until November 8th. November 2nd, Ratchet and Clank Up Your Arsenal, great title was released. Uh, November 4th, Minish Cap was released, uh, but not in the US until January 10th of the following year. November 15th, Metroid Prime Echoes, yes it does, uh, was released for the GameCube. Yeah. Uh, November 17th, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater was released. November 18th, Mario Party 6 was released, but not in the US until December 6th. Uh, November 21st, the DS came out, uh, starring Super Mario 64 DS. Uh, December 2nd, WarioWare to uh, touched... I'm confused about that, but y you'll certainly explain. Uh, but not in the U.S. until February 14th of the following year. Uh, December 9th, Yoshi's Universal Gravitation slash Topsy and uh, Topsy Turvy were both released. Uh, December 12th, PS Portable was released but not in the US until March 24th of the following year. And finally, on December 20th, Cave Story was released. Best game of all time. Thank you. All right. So 
you know, uh, we have a couple. I have a couple things to say about that. First off, a game that I because added I later up. was on March 11th. Monster Hunter released for the PlayStation 2, but not in the U.S. until September 21st. So, um, WarioWare Touched is a game in the WarioWare series, and it came out on the DS, and it released. Yeah. So it's just a, a WarioWare entry, very early one, for the one of the first original DS. Nah, I feel like you've got it um, pretty well. So PS, um, sorry if I wrote it as PS Portable. It's just PlayStation Portable, also known as PSP. I was too lazy to write just the shorthand or just the full name, so I combined them both, and now the the universe is confused. I think but, PS Portable sounds pretty good. All right, so we have two handheld consoles to talk about today. So first, we have the um. We have the, both the DS and the PlayStation Portable, but I wanted to talk about the PlayStation Portable first since I didn't do nearly as much. All right, so it sold 81 million units. Uh, its best-selling game was Grand Theft Auto Liberty City Stories. What's regarded as its best game is God of War Chains of Olympus. By the way, for best games, sometimes I go off the Metacritic score. Sometimes I go off of lists online. Same thing for worst games. What's regarded as its worst game is Dragon Ball Evolution. Its rarest game is YS 1 and 2 Chronicles. And its last Ease. game is Retro... Ease, sorry. Its last game was Retro City Rampage DX, which came out in 2016. So there weren't any um, full games released for that that were part of big PlayStation series. With games like the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, they had um, traditional series entries instead of just... Um, spin-offs so some spin-offs were there was in i want to say there was an uncharted game released for this but i might be thinking of the playstation vita but the game i wanted is they came in these like little mini discs format that had this little white plastic case very odd the only games i wanted to talk about was this ratchet and clank spin-off but um and then uh, the only other game i thought was interesting was daxter which is a spin-off of jack in Daxter. But you know, nothing much. I think there was a digital only revision, but again, I might be thinking of the Vita because I get those two mixed up. But the true star of the show, well, I mean, this episode anyway, is going to be the Nintendo DS. It is the second best selling video game console of all time behind only the um, PlayStation 2. It came out. Um, it sold 154 million 20,000 units. Its best-selling game was New Super Mario Bros. Its best game was Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars, or you know what's regarded as its best game anyway. The worst game is Deal or No Deal. Yeah, it was a spin-off of a TV show. Um, and its rarest game is this McDonald's training game. So there's a story behind this, which I'll get to later, but and the last game released was Big Hero 6 Battle in the Bay, which came out in 2014. So, uh, New Super Mario Bros. It's the best-selling game, and for a reason, it was the first 2D Mario game in, I want to say, 14 years. Because we hadn't got a traditional 2D Mario game since Super Mario Land 2, 6 Golden Coins on the Game Boy. And it's probably the best. I want to say the best in the series is New Super Mario Bros. 2. I really enjoyed that one. The Wii one was a little bit... I want it's too difficult for me. I know this makes me sound like such a wimp. I just don't like it. Okay, it's a 
The DS and 3DS ones are good. The Wii one I don't really like. And the Switch slash Wii U one I haven't played. Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars is interesting because it got the series back to with some top-down roots, and it works very well. You're mainly just, like, in a car the whole time instead of being, like, a 3D game like the other entries. And the McDonald's training game. So the story behind this one is there's this YouTuber named Nick Robinson who sort of tried to track down a copy of it. It was like a training game released by Nintendo. It was like a collaboration with McDonald's Japan as a way to help train their employees. I don't think this is used at all now, but the I th- I think I'll put the video in the the Discord server. It's very interesting. It's like 40 minutes long. So the Nick Robinson does have a tradition of like um very, trivial matters. He'll take to extreme lengths. So he flew to Japan just to find out what happened to an advertisement regarding a um collaboration between Domino's Pizza Japan and Hatsune Miku, which is like this Vocaloid uh software character. This man has too much time on his hands. Oh, yeah, he does. The, his, one of his most recent videos is he was trying to t- tra- um, track down this building. So there was this image on the internet. You might have seen it called where this uh, building called Microsoft Binbos. It was like this uh, company. Um, th- this used PC parts store in Japan ripped off Microsoft Windows's name. He tried to find out if the building was still around today. So what he did was he found a website run by this guy that mentioned the store, and he kind of figured out uh, where which city was in. And then he used like Google Earth very extensively to try to find the building. The logo wasn't up, but the general building structure still was. Found out he was so proud. You know, it's a uh, his videos are fun. Like I said, also thirteen plus. He was he's a really big fan of Monkey Ball, and I um his react. I think he figured out that Banana Mania was coming out like a couple of days before it was revealed at E3. But moving on to some more games. First off, Mario 64 DS. Brought this up earlier. I'd, I'd, I'd say it's still good, still worth playing. Just has some quirks that are kind of hard to get used to if you haven't played the if you um if you've played the original. Definitely worth getting into because it's the original but more expansive. It has like 30 more stars. And you can play as four different characters. There was a myth going around for the longest time that you could unlock Waluigi, and the YouTuber Tetrabit Gaming made a video on it. That's pretty interesting. And Mario Kart DS, which is fun because the um, it has a little map on the bottom screen, since you know the DS has two screens. Very interesting. Uh, Mario Kart DS is probably one of my favorite my favorite entry in the series. It has a little mission mode. You can draw your own logo in the front of your cart. When I got Mario Kart DS from the library, the logo that the person who had it before me had drawn was a um, an anatomical part. Let's uh, let's go with that. Uh, what is our what does our world come to? You can also play as Rob the Robot. Fun little inclusion. Uh, then there is Marty pa- Mario Party DS, which I didn't enjoy that much because there was this piranha p- plant fighting game that I had so much trouble getting through. And, yeah, it's a fun little portable entry if you're a fan of the series. Then there was a new Super Mario Bros. I already mentioned. Mario vs. Donkey Kong, which is sort of a spiritual successor to Donkey Kong on the Game Boy, which came out in 1994. 
but yeah also a interesting looking game and the series kind of became the focus on these little mini miniature toys oh oh this it originally came out on the game boy advance but then there was march of the minis and miniland mayhem on the ds um then there was mario and luigi partners in time which was a sequel to the superstar saga on the game boy advance so fun little story about this so Superstar Saga and Bowser's Inside Story, which was the other DS entry for this series, got DX ports for the 3DS late in the 3DS's lifespan, but not Partners in Time, which came between the two. Bowser's Inside Story was the first to sort of um, normalize the art style of the boxes. So Superstar Saga and Partners of Time both look very stylized, kind of similar, but also like their own thing. But, um... Bowser's Inside Story has started the trend of Mario and Luigi are just chilling above their own logo against a white background and something's usually coming at them from the um, from the right side. For instance, on the on Bowser's Inside Story, it's Bowser. On Dream Team, it's just a bunch of Luigi snoring and he's dreaming about a bunch of other Luigis. And for Paper Jam, it's um, you know Paper Mario since that was a crossover between the two series. And I really normally don't like RPGs, but Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga is probably the only, like, quote-unquote turn-based RPG I actually enjoy, but it's not that turn-based. Because you can, like, defend yourself from enemies as they're attacking, which is the really big issue I have with turn-based combat in RPGs in general. Uh, there was a Mario spinoff called Super Princess Peach, with, which a lot of people see as sexist, but... It's like Peach uses emotions to try to um, interact with her environment and defeat enemies. I think it's like um, joy, anger, sadness, and, so <clears throat> and something else. Forget. Uh, then there's Mario Hoops Around 3, which is a very fun-looking basketball game. It also has Final Fantasy characters. It has like, um, I think it's like a, a, the starter characters from the original game and Cactuar. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It mainly uses the touchscreen, but it actually works really well on the touchscreen. Uh, then there's Donkey Kong Jungle Climber, which is a more traditional Donkey Kong style of thing. It's kind of like the DK King of Swing on the Game Boy Advance. Nothing much to say about that one since I haven't played it. Uh, Brain Age. Uh, the DS was one of the first games that really tried to find a ba um, an install base with everybody, kind of like the Wii did a couple years later. when we cover the Wii in later episodes. But Brain Age was sort of like a game where you try to find out your brain age and you play like math games and other little puzzle-related things. A lot of older people, that's kind of what it was intended for, like this game. And the main star of this game was this polygonal, polygonal guy named Dr. Kawashima who was modeled after this real-life um, uh, scientist. His name was also Kabashima, in case you were wondering. Um, Kirby got quite a few games. There was Canvas Curse, Squeak Squad, Mass Attack, and Superstar Ultra. Canvas Curse was a little sp special, but Squeak Squad and Mass Attack were a bit more standard Kirby games. Superstar Ultra was just Superstar from the DS and ported to the... Kirby Superstar from the SNES and put on the DS. Then there was Yoshi Touch and Go, which was a game that used the touchscreen and sort of... um, Kind of fashion sort... They sorry, it functioned a lot like uh, Yoshi's Island on the DS. And side note, earlier I mentioned 
I put on the list uh, Yoshi's Universal Gravitation, which is the best title ever, by the way, or Topsy Turvy, which is this um game that uh for the Game Boy Advance that has a built-in uh tilt sensor in the cartridge, not the system. But it works interestingly from what I've seen. But uh, then there was also another Yoshi's Island game called Yoshi's Island DS, and which I've heard the DS and 3DS entries for this year's are not good, to say the least. Pokemon got quite a bit of love. A lot of people really enjoy these games. Um, so there's Pokemon Diamond, Pokemon Pearl, Pokemon Platinum, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, Black and White, Black 2 and White 2. This is probably the system with the most Pokemon entries, and Diamond and Pearl are getting Switch ports. I haven't really played the Pokemon games, so don't have too much to add on that. Uh, Metroid Prime Hunters, which is a spinoff of Metroid Prime, came out on the DS. It's a first-person shooter, and a demo of it was bundled in with the original DS, I feel. Uh, let's see, Nintendogs, which is a virtual pet game. It was. It also is a was a very pretty good game. Oh, sorry, it was also a very big game, and which a lot of people have fond memories of. Uh, then there was Tetris DS, which is just Tetris, but it has cool little Nintendo and Mario themed backgrounds, kind of like how Tetris ninety nine does now. Then there's Star Fox Command, which is a Star Fox mount for the DS. Don't really know much about this one either. Animal Crossing Wild World, which is um. It's like each Animal Crossing game sort of builds on the previous one. Uh, Wild World sort of has elements from the GameCube version, but on the DS. And uh, Animal Wild World, but on a home console instead of being portable. So objectively, City Folk is the worst Animal Crossing game because it's just Wild World, but it's not portable. So that takes away a big uh, drawing point of it. Then there's a couple of Legend of Zelda games. There's Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks, which are both uh, direct sequels to The Wind Waker because they use the same shell-stated style. I have heard that Phantom Hourglass isn't too good because when you're sailing in the sea, everything can kind of blend together. And then there's uh, this uh, puzzle game series that's pretty fun called Professor Layton. There, there were two entries on the system, Professor Layton and the Curious Village and Professor Layton and the Diabolical Box. Sorry. Um, I think Professor Layton actually got a movie, and he crossed over with Phoenix Wright in a game, I think. I can't remember if that one was on the 3S, 3DS or DS. Then there was um, Phoenix Wright. Of course, the, he got an original entry on the Game Boy, but he came to America... Game Boy Advance, sorry. But he came to America for the first time on the DS. There was also Phoenix Wright Justice for All, so it's kind of like a visual novel-style thing where you play as this attorney. Don't know much about it, but I do want to check those games out eventually. Uh, then there's Golden Sun Dark Dawn, which was a sequel to the two Game Boy Advance RPGs. Don't really haven't really played that one. The World Ends With You, which is a Square Enix RPG I've heard good things about. These characters actually make appearances in the Kingdom Hearts series. It also this game also has a Switch port, and there was a sequel also released on the Switch. I think it was this year. I can't quite remember. Then there was um, Electroplankton, which is a, uh, I think it's like a music-themed game, but the only thing I really know it is it inspired Hannonbell, which is one of the worst Smash Bros. Here, um, stages. Then there's a hundred classic book, which collects a hundred novels into one DS cartridge. Yay. Fun. Just what I wanted. 
then there's Wario Master of Disguise, which is a more traditional Wario platformer, 2D platformer. And then there's WarioWare Touched, which I mentioned earlier was a WarioWare game for the system in the vein of WarioWare um, Mega Microgames on the Game Boy Advance. There were a couple of Assassin's Creed games. There was Altair's Chronicles and uh, Assassin's Creed 2 Discovery. It's interesting that it's just called Assassin's Creed 2 because Assassin's Creed 2 had already come out earlier. So it's so fun to see such big-name series getting little special entries on the DS like this. I said that one thing the PlayStation Portable had that the... Uh, Nintendo systems didn't have was like a um, main entries, but the DS also had those. So I feel like if um, they're like, and the uh, Assassin's Creed is not really well known for being a Nintendo franchise, so it, it has that going for it. And there was also uh, Tomodachi Collection. If that name sounds familiar, it's because it's like the prequel to Tomodachi Life, but it only came out in Japan. It had a built-in me creator on the cartridge, but Tomodachi Life had it on the system. Metopia is kind of similar to Domodachi Life. Don't know too much about that. Uh, Clubhouse Games, which also got a Switch uh, sequel, I think. It plays like um, board and card and other little games. You know, it's a fun... It's a, it's a nice game. I haven't really played it, but I do think it's a nice game. Uh, Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow. You know, um, I talked about in the Game Boy Advance episode how Castlevania got a couple of entries there. I've heard Circle of the Moon wasn't too good, but uh, I haven't heard much about uh, these games. I'm incredibly sorry for not doing my uh, research. I did write down all these games, so you know, if you're a fan of the, if you own a DS, I'd say I'd recommend checking all these out because I don't know what any of your personal preferences are, but I've heard good things about practically all of these. And then there's um, Rhythm Heaven. So this was based off a uh, Game Boy Advance game called Rhythm Ten Goku, which also got a uh, arcade version. Funny enough. It's a rhythm game, and uh, it also has had subsequent entries on the Wii and I think 3DS. Not 100% sure, though. And, um, yeah, it's very fun looking. And the chorus kids from this game were also, uh, like, fan favorites that uh, many people wanted to be included in Smash Bros. As fighters. Then there's um, Elite Beat Agents, which is a, another rhythm game. There's kind of a precursor to this with a DS series called Osu Tatake Oenden, which is a uh, another rhythm game, but instead of uh, agents, it has ninjas and cheerleaders. There's also a sequel to this, which the name I uh, don't want to pronounce because Japanese is hard. Um, let's see. Actually, Rhythm 10 Goku was actually the very last Nintendo-published Game Boy Advance game, so there's a little fun fact for you. Meteos, which is a puzzle game. Don't know too much about that one, but interesting looking nonetheless the let uh, children of mana which is a game in the uh secret of mana series started with a final uh if you want to get into the secret of mana series i think there's a entry on the switch that collects quite a few of them and trials of mana got localized for the very first time on the switch there it didn't get a localized version initially because of how big it was and the didn't once by the time it was translated the original game would have already been on the market for a while understandable then there's the legendary starfy which is sort of like kirby but underwater it has like simplistic gameplay cute characters fun little game fire emblem shadow dragon which we already mentioned was a localized version of a famicom game then new mystery of the emblem which is which only came out in japan then there's kingdom hearts 358 and a half days don't know why such a specific number but it's again it's fun to see uh 
the DS received an exclusive entry from a mainly console and not even really Nintendo focused series. It, it was an RPG, unlike um, the rhythm game that we got on the Switch. You know, I, mi I miss when Nintendo systems from got actual entries from Kingdom Hearts instead of rhythm games. Uh, then there is Ninja Gaiden Dragon Sword, spinoff of the popular Ninja Gaiden series. Uh, but that is about all the games I have for the DS, but now it's time to talk about, you know, features and other revisions. So it had backwards compatibility with the Game Boy Advance, and it used the Game Boy Advance slot to its advantage using accessories for games like Rock Band. And uh, actually, a lot of uh, DS cases came with little Game Boy Advance slots, so if you want to make cases for your uh, Game Boy Advance games, you could probably try to find those online. I heard they're not the cheapest things in the world, though. Uh, the DS also had a stylus to interact with the touch screen. And in Mario 64 DS, you can use the stylus to play the game, but, you know, like, it works if you don't like playing with the D-pad on the original DS version and not on the 3DS. But to remedy this, Nintendo bundled with the original DS, but not the DSi or DS Lite, which is what most people had owned. The original DS was a bulky fella, and he, his screens were not that good. They made this thing called the thumb strap, which you could like fit over your thumb and it worked like as a stylus, like it worked with the touchscreen, but it was like focused to a single point. So, I mean, you could use your thumb on the screen regularly, theoretically, but the thumb strap is a little interesting thing. Then there was the DS browser, which was a whole cartridge unto itself, which gave you a little uh, internet compatibility. Not really worth using since you already can take the internet with you. <laughs> Then there was um, Learn with Pokemon Typing Adventure. It was a Pokemon game that came with a um, whole typing keyboard. That was a fun thing. Uh, there was actually this Pokemon game that uh, encouraged kids to go out and collect Pokemon, which came with a pedometer. And this pedometer that came with the game is actually one of the most accurate pedometers ever released. And they even ha brought that over to the Wii U, I think. can't remember what the pedometer game was called, but it, you know, good way to encourage kids to go outside. Then there was the DS Lite revision, which is just the DS, but smaller. And most people owned either a DS Lite or a DSi, not the original. Um, the DSi got a deluxe revision. Side note, the DSi removed Game Boy Advance backwards compatibility, but it came with a camera and had a couple of exclusive games, mainly style games. But there was this um, online game called Photo Dojo in which you could take pictures of your friends and use them as the characters and enemies. Fun little thing. Um, in yeah, in China I've there were. <laughs> sorry. Cool. So that's I know I'm sorry I, I'm I know I'm the I know I'm a host but I feel like I talk too much. It's good to have nah, you nah, talk. No, I was just saying it's a fun game I played before on my friend's DS. Nice. The 3DS, sorry. Oh, there was this revision of the DS that was only released in China. I don't think it was Nintendo sanctioned, but it was called the DS ML, and it's like the original Nintendo DS repackaged in some new in a new plastic shell. This YouTuber called The Retro Future made um, a video about it that's very interesting, which I'd recommend checking out, and I'll probably put it in our things we mentioned in the podcast on our... Um, in our um, uh, Stuff We Mentioned channel on our Discord server. Um, then there was a, the DSi got special um, digital-only games called DSiWare. This was kind of brought over to the Wii with WiiWare. But these games included Dr. Mario Express, WarioWare Snapped, which, you know, used the Game Boy Advance's, uh, sorry, I mean the DSi's camera. Sorry, my brain is fried today. 
Um, then there was uh, Mario versus Donkey Kong Minis March again. Cave Story was actually released on the DSi, whereas a digital only game, but it has since come to the Switch and the, I think the 3DS too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, then the through Club Nintendo, which was this little thing that Nintendo launched, was like a rewards program where if you bought enough games, you could um get points to get exclusive games and prizes. These included a Game and Watch collections for the DS, which worked since um the DS's design was partially inspired by some game and watch games that had two screens and could flip open so i think that was a fun little inclusion uh, while um while club nintendo is no more there's my nintendo which kind of works the same way so i got my cousin a prize from club nintendo which was a um it was a notebook and in the notebook it was sort of like a day planner but i used it so he could um draw game covers to chron um, chronologize them, I guess, since he's a very big fan of that. He actually listens to this podcast, by the way, funny enough. So, hello, cousin. You know who you are. <laughs> um, and the DS had this really weird charger problem. So, the original had the same charger that worked with the Game Boy Advance SP. The DS Lite had its own exclusive charger, and the DSi had um, a charger that could be used with all... 3DS models moving forward. But that is all we have for talking about the Nintendo DS. Frankly, I'm tired of... I'm not tired of the podcast. I'm just generally tired today. But anyway, yeah. that about wraps up this episode of Geeks and Games. Yoshimitsu, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at uh, Lego Ideas as SpectreVamp with a capital S and V uh yeah sorry just double that that was my actual name and then uh also on discord as spectrogram uh if you dropped a follow on lego ideas and supported my projects i would greatly appreciate it uh but do not delete your account afterwards or else uh, it clears that support right. uh i'm also spectrogram on minecraft if you spot me online hi where can people find you online? You can find me on both Scratch and Lego Ideas. It's Woodstock05. I don't do much there. I mean, there's a couple projects I'm working on for Scratch. Very slow going. And uh, I think I might make a Ferris Bueller's Day Off project for um, the Lego Ideas. But other than that, not too much. You can uh, follow our Discord server, which will also be in the description. And you can find uh, the video review for retro game trader which should be up by now either on the server or if you don't have the server and you want it email us at geeks and games podcast at gmail.com link to email us will be in the description but anyway that is all we have for this episode of geeks and game and we will see you next time for our big episode 25 bye bye